Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I do want to invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer as we lift up our friends in the Ukraine and ask God to intervene in that very difficult situation. Would you join me now in a moment of silent prayer? Thank you so very much, uh, and do I uh, want to invite you to remember uh, that situation until uh, we hear of a better outcome and a reversal of the very uh, difficult things that are happening uh, in that part of the world. Uh, well, uh, before we jump into our teaching, I do want to remind you of this uh, wonderful resource called the U Version. It's got all kinds of translations of the Bible, wonderful reading plans, video clips, you can search by just about any topic that is of interest to you, and you will find uh, what the Bible has to say about that. Also, if you look in events, search for Arlington FM, you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. I uh, do want to also direct you to our podcast. Uh, when you're in your podcast player, just search for Arlington FM Church, and there you will find all of our content uh, for uh, just about most of the series that we have done here at the church. Uh, well, uh, we are in a two-part series that we're calling When Faith Works, and uh, I hope you were able to join us last week. If not, again, you can uh, reference that message, but uh, you know, it, it's the idea that when our faith is working, it invites all kinds of amazing things into our lives. Uh, this is what uh, God really is looking for in the hearts of people. You go all the way back to Abram, in the Old Testament, and when God uh, recognized that Abraham had faith, in fact, uh, we're told that Abram uh, had this uh, revelation. He said that uh, he realized that uh, God is my shield, he's my protector, uh, God is my very great reward, and uh, into that God gave great promise and hope for Abram's future. And uh, see, that's the kind of uh, promise and uh presence of God that comes into our lives when we have a faith that works. Uh, Jesus commended people uh, for that kind of faith. In fact, he said uh, that was often the source of their healing and their freedom and their liberty. And uh, he spoke to people uh, who pressed through barriers. Uh, a woman who had been uh, ill for 12 years, suffered much under every physician. And uh, when she saw Jesus, her faith awoke uh, and she made a way to him. She pressed through the crowd, and when she touched him and received healing, uh, Jesus sought her out, and looked her in the eye, and he said, woman, your faith has made you well. Uh, there was a, one great story of a group of friends uh, who had a disabled friend. They knew if they could get him close to Jesus, there was hope, and uh, when they arrived at the house where Jesus was speaking, there was no room. They couldn't get in the door, so they went up on the roof, made a hole in the roof, lowered their friend in front of Jesus. And when Jesus looked upon this bizarre situation, he noticed their faith. In fact, Jesus said, all things are possible uh, to those who believe, to those who have faith. Uh, unfortunately, as we saw last week, uh, though in the good old U.S. of A. in a recent survey, nine out of ten people said they believed in God. Six out of ten people said they had faith in Jesus Christ, in fact, had made a commitment 
to follow him. Uh, when you look at the reality of it, though, many times that faith isn't working. Uh, belief in God, faith in Jesus Christ is not working the way that it should. It's not releasing the promise and the power and the presence of God into their lives. And so we ask the question, well, why is that? Uh, how can you have a faith that doesn't do what it's supposed to do? Well, Jesus addressed that as crowds began to follow him. And again, we looked at this in detail last week. He said, usually, if you lift up the hood of your faith and look at what's inside, you'll find uh, when it's not working, it's one of these three conditions. There's either hard soil, which would indicate uh, an unreceptive or an unresponsive heart to the voice and the leadership of God. He said then there's a dry soil or soil that's got too many rocks in it. And this would represent a heart that has mixed motives, uh, kind of into God, but kind of into my own thing. And, uh, and then thirdly, uh, kind of close on the heels of that, uh, Jesus said some uh, faith doesn't flourish because there's too much clutter. Uh, there's too many divided interests, uh, cares, concerns, and worries. And uh, Jesus ended this profound teaching on the kind of faith that worked uh, by giving us a remedy uh, for whatever the condition of our hearts are that might be hindering our faith response to God. He said, uh, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And so uh, here's a good question, uh, bring you back to the essence of this remedy. Are you good at listening? Uh, when you think about your own listening habits, is it kind of like this? Uh, you know, you're distracted, uh, your, your interests are divided. And uh, I think uh, most spouses would agree that uh, it's frustrating when you're trying to communicate and uh, you don't feel like you're being listened to well. Well, Jesus kind of says we do the same thing with God. Uh, God's trying to speak to us. He's trying to add fuel to our faith. He's trying to ignite our faith. And uh, we've only got uh, half an ear. Uh, we're not really listening to the full message. Consider carefully how you listen. Well, as we go into uh, uh, this part two of when faith works, uh, I would encourage you, uh, listen carefully to what God wants to say to you about uh, enlivening and uh, igniting your faith so that it really does bring the power and the presence of God into all of your circumstance. Uh, this comes from one of uh, Jesus's closest followers. In fact, many people saw Peter as the representative uh, disciple. And uh, here's what Peter has to say about what we do with our faith. He says, uh, First, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, his, Christ's divine power, has given us, if we believe in him, everything that we need for a godly life. Think about that uh, when you're struggling to live out your faith. Uh, Peter says right off the bat, his power has given us everything that we need to live a life that's full of God's activity uh, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. And goodness through these his own glory and goodness uh, he has given us his very great and precious promises we have hope we have a future we have the promise that God will never leave or forsake us and he'll cause all things to work together for good in our lives and that nothing can separate us from his love and so we have these promises so that through them you may participate in 
the divine nature. Think about that, uh, that as you slog through this life and the, your day-to-day -day routines, that uh, you have been given the ability to actually participate in the divine nature. You can participate with God. You can uh, take on some of God's attributes. You can experience uh, his uh, image, really, uh, as you work out your faith in him. And uh, so now uh, Peter's going to give us some keys to how we actually do that, how we participate in God's nature, uh, how we uh, live a godly life in this world. He says, uh, for this very reason then, in verse 3, make every effort, uh, think of something you made every effort towards, whether it was to accomplish some goal at work or in, uh, at play, in your hobbies, whatever it was you really, really, really applied yourself to. Uh, Peter says, do that. Make every effort to add to your faith. And then he lists some qualities that uh, we should add to our faith. Uh, here they are. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Well, uh, here's kind of what uh, Peter is uh, leading us into uh, for a kind of faith that actually gets activated, and it works in our lives. It actually does help us experience the power and the presence and the promise of God in all of life's varied situations. He's saying, uh, okay, you've got to add some things to your faith. It's kind of like a, a trying to build a campfire. You know, you don't just start by throwing a, a pile of wood there and putting a match on it. Uh, you start with the very basic ingredients. You got a few dry leaves, uh, maybe some uh, brittle paper that you put in there, a few twigs. You build yourself a nice little cone and, uh, and then you light the most ignitable part of that, and uh, that dry paper, those twigs start to light up, uh, those small splinters of wood. Uh, but then you know that, you know, once you have fire, uh, you got to quickly add some fuel to it. You, you got to add some, some slightly bigger uh, splinters of wood, maybe a few branches, and then eventually you build your way up uh, to a roaring fire. Well, Peter says, our faith is like that. Uh, you've got this spark. Uh, you're like those nine out of ten uh, who believe in God, those six out of ten who say you've committed your life to Christ. And Peter says, okay, you've got a flame of faith there, but there's some things you have to add to it. It's, it's kind of like this uh, picture, uh, you know, this guy, uh, you're standing there looking at the, all of creation, pondering the reality of God and the revelation of God and Jesus Christ, and you say, you know what? I believe that. Uh, I have faith. Uh, and he, you have to add some things to that, Peter says. If you want your faith to come alive, if you want it to start working for you and powerfully uh, inviting uh, the divine nature, God, to participate in your life, you have to add some things. And he says, so make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Uh, you know, that seems like a very basic quality to add to our lives, uh, the quality of goodness. It literally means moral excellence. It's the opposite of going through life with mixed motives. 
you know, every encounter you have with people, uh, there's, a, there's a series of agendas you go through in your mind. And uh, Paul or Peter is saying, look, we don't have to react that way. We don't have to live that way. We can make a choice. I'm going to be a good person. It's interesting when uh, Paul was writing one of his letters, he was talking about his, his good friend Timothy, his protege, whom he had mentored. And he said these words about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who will be genuinely concerned for your interest. That's quite a statement of, of all the people Paul knew and all the folks he had mentored and poured life into. He says, look, I want to hold Timothy up as an example of what a good person uh, looks and acts like. He'll, he'll be genuinely concerned for the interests of others. You know, uh, you know what you mean when you say uh, she's a good person. Uh, she cares. Does she do anything she could to help you? Uh, it's, it's what you mean when you say, well, uh, so-and-so is my good friend. You're saying they're trustworthy. They're dependable. You can lean on them. Uh, I combed back through my life as I was thinking of this uh, choice to be good. And uh, I, I think of one woman uh, in our congregation. She sat right there every week until she passed away at the age of 90-something. Uh, but every weekend we would gather, I knew that I could look uh, this dear woman in the face and she'd be smiling. She'd be encouraging me. Uh, as I walked by her uh, after the service, she would always have something kind and encouraging to say, and she was truly a good person. And uh, Peter is saying, look, if you want your faith to begin to work for you and come alive in your life, if you want that belief you have in God, that uh, faith in Jesus Christ to begin to release the power of God, one of the ways you can do that is put the, put the kindling of goodness and make every effort to live a life that is good. And he says, and to your goodness, add knowledge. And so uh, knowledge would be someone who's made a decision. Uh, I'm not just going to believe in Jesus and let my knowledge of him stop there. You know, it's true that uh, some people have believed in Christ for decades. And they know very little more about Christ than they did when they first started. Uh, what is Jesus like? What does he value? What are his priorities? You know, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus you read about in the Gospels, he's, he's like that today. And uh, to uh, acquire the knowledge of uh, what matters most to him is part of how we stimulate and uh, activate our faith. What mattered most to Christ can matter most to me. Uh, you know, here's a good uh, way to increase your knowledge about God and about what he's done in Christ is ask someone who's further along than you if they would help you uh, share some of their knowledge. What have they learned about Christ over the years? Uh, here's a great uh, proverb that has to do with how we gain knowledge. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise lo and behold, becomes wise. And uh, so one of the ways we can make our faith more powerful and active in our lives is to not only add goodness, but to add knowledge as well. Uh, Peter goes on. He says, to your knowledge, 
add self-control. It's interesting that self-control would be a way of uh, fanning our faith into flames. Uh, But it really has to do with uh, the ability to not be directed by what we feel or even by uh, what we think. Instead, we choose to make uh, what we know the will of God uh, to be what directs our lives. I remember as a brand new Christian, uh, I had a thought once that surprised me. And the thought was this, uh, just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean that's reality. And that was like a a moment of revelation. Uh, Just because I'm feeling angry doesn't mean I have to be an angry person. Just because I'm feeling depressed doesn't mean my day is hopeless. And uh, I think it's that idea that allows us to become people that are self-controlled. We're not controlled uh, by our feelings or our uh, temporary thoughts, but we have a higher a higher uh, source by which we can navigate and direct our lives. Uh, well, P- Peter goes on, he says, uh, to your goodness, add knowledge, to your knowledge, add self-control, and to your self-control, uh, add this quality, add perseverance uh, to your life. It, it actually has to do with a patient continuance. It's staying in there. It's, uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And uh, it's choosing to believe that, even on days that would suggest otherwise. You know, I had one of those days recently that uh, you could say it came from the, the dark place. It was a day from there. And uh, every uh, task I tried to do went sideways, uh, stepped in uh, some of the dog uh, activity that had happened uh, during the night. And uh, it just seemed like whatever task I tried to do, I had to work uh, doubly hard at it. And, uh, you know, some days it just requires perseverance uh, to stay in there and to stay on the path of God's leadership. And uh, this quality of perseverance suggests that we can choose to do that with joy. Uh, It's a reminder uh, that uh, on those days when it doesn't seem like God's good and perfect and pleasing will is happening in my life, it doesn't mean that it's not. It just means it's on the way, and uh, I get to keep moving in that direction. Uh, Peter goes on. He says, to your goodness, uh, add knowledge to your knowledge, add uh, self-control to your self-control, add perseverance, and to your perseverance, add this uh, surprising quality, add godliness uh, to your life. Now, you know, this may seem like a big pill to swallow. Uh, How in the world? Uh, do I wake up and decide I'm going to be godly today? Uh, well, that word actually means uh, to live with reverence. It's to live in the awareness uh, that uh, God is real, that God exists, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and he said, I'll, I'll be with you always, even to the end of this age. It's choosing to live in that awareness. Uh, someone uh, said it like this, It's choosing to live to an audience of one, that uh, he's the one we're trying to please. He's present with us. The early church had a saying. uh, They used to say, the Lord is at hand. And it was a way of reminding themselves that uh, we can live godly. We can live lives that are responsive to the active presence of God. And it's one of the ways we activate and fuel our faith. Uh, Peter goes on. He says, uh, to your godliness then, 
uh, add this quality, mutual affection. Uh, you say, well, uh, is that really an expression of faith? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, we can decide. Uh, mutual affection is deciding that you like people uh, with all of their warts, with all of their flaws, with all of their inconsistencies. We don't have to become prickly, uh, abusive, uh, abrasive people. We can decide that we like people in all their quirkiness. Uh, I had a friend once who was really, really good at this. And uh, occasionally, it was good for me just to spend the day with him and watch the way he interacted with uh, the waitress, the person at the store, uh, with uh, people that were driving. You know, he just had this ability. Uh, he liked people. And uh, Peter is saying, look, if you want your faith to flourish, if you want it to work, if you want it to invite the activity of God and the power of God and the presence of God, one of the ways you can do it is decide ahead of time that you're okay with people uh, right where they're at. Uh, you know, I, I heard a term recently that I really liked. It was called pre-decide. In other words, uh, before you get uh, into the complexity of your day, make a decision. Uh, today, I'm going to activate my faith uh, by liking people the way that God likes me in spite of my quirkiness. And then uh, almost as the crowning virtue, uh, Peter says, add to all these other qualities, the quality of love. Uh, in other words, uh, decide, you know, love gives. That's probably the truest thing you could say about love. Love gives uh, to others. It doesn't wait for others uh, to perform or to merit our best. Love just makes a decision. In fact, Jesus said this, you want to be great? Learn to give to everyone. Learn to be the servant of everyone, and you will ascend uh, God's pathway to greatness. And uh, so I can decide uh, to be a lover of people regardless of what uh, I might receive from people. And maybe you're thinking, uh, wow, that's a lot. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, virtues uh, that I could work on. And uh, here's what uh, Peter would say uh, about those uh, there's seven qualities that enhance and activate our faith that, that uh, we can put on the, the fire of our faith and that will fuel it. And uh, you, you may say it like this, uh, I may not be perfect at any of these, but I can be moving towards all of them. And see, that's a, I think that's the invitation uh, that God is making to us is uh, you may not be really good at uh, being good or even persevering or having this mutual affection, self-control, but you can be moving towards each and every one of them. And uh, if it sounds like a lot of effort, it is. That's why Peter says, make every effort. This is work, but it's the kind of work that comes with great reward. In fact, uh, if we're growing in these qualities, uh, this will make us the kind of person we'd really like to be. Or maybe you'd think of it this way. Uh, if you're growing in these qualities, this is the kind of spouse you want to be married to. This is the kind of person you want your, your son or your daughter to marry. But uh, there's great reward, Peter says, in adding these qualities to our faith. And here's, here's the reward. He describes it. He says, uh, for if you possess these qualities... In increasing measure, you're growing in them. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would just ask you, given a choice, would you rather be effective and productive in your faith or ineffective and unproductive? I think all of us, uh, given a choice, would much rather be effective. We'd, we'd like to be equipped and capable of doing the things that, that bring joy uh, into our own lives and make us a source of joy for others. Uh, I remember, uh, had a, a friend of mine who we used to meet for tennis. And uh, when we got into it, uh, we got into it. And uh, we had a lot of fun competing against each other. And uh, one week we met, I was actually on a three-day fast. And uh, I don't know why, but that particular day, uh, being without food, my mind was razor sharp. And it felt like on the tennis court, anything I wanted to do, I could pull it off, you know, drop shots over the net, uh, hit him down the line, uh, lob it over his head, uh, bring my opponent to the net. Whatever it was, we laughed uh, with each other about how effective my game was. And, uh, you know, that's a silly illustration, but God wants you to be effective in your faith. He, he wants your faith to, to have application in every encounter in life, in every difficulty, in every opportunity, any obstacle you face. Uh, he wants you to have the kind of faith that can move mountains and invite the promise and the presence of God. And adding these qualities, Peter said, is one of the ways we'll do that. Uh, he finishes his thoughts. He says, look, uh, but whoever does not have these qualities has become nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. You know, as we uh, go to prayer, I was thinking about uh, how much uh, Jesus uh, wants to cultivate faith in our lives. And when he sees us, uh, we have this flicker of hope. We have this small degree of faith, but it's not really working. It's not, it's not moving the mountains out of our lives. It's not giving us great hope and optimism and bringing the, the healing power and presence of God into all of our circumstance. When Jesus, Jesus notices that, he doesn't judge it at all. He, he actually wants to try to kindle it, stir it up. Uh, fan it into flames. In fact, I hear this statement made about him, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. It says, a bruised reed, uh, something that's bent on the point of breaking, he will not break. And then this uh, wonderful statement, and a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. Uh, if our faith is just a flicker of hope, uh, he will actually do everything he can to fan it into flames. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you for the great love that you have for us. Thank you that it's the desire of your heart uh, to share your goodness with us, uh, to open up all of heaven's resource into our uh, very needy world, uh, into our lives. And Lord, our faith is the conduit. Uh, it's the mechanism. It's the highway by which your resources are released into our lives. And uh, Lord, we want to kind of faith that works we want the kind of faith that allows us to access who you are all those great and precious promises we want to participate in your nature in very real ways and so uh lord we would just pray thank you jesus uh, that you are uh, the kind of savior who uh spots just a flicker of hope 
a modicum of faith, a mustard seed. Lord, you, you, you bring that uh, into reality. Maybe as you're hearing these words, you're thinking, you know, I've got that much faith in God and that much faith in Jesus, but I don't think I've ever experienced the kind of relationship with him like you're speaking about. Uh, you know, that's faith, the fact that you would have that. And I want to invite you to open up uh, to Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, express uh, your heart to him. Maybe you'd say something like this, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for showing yourself to me. Uh, thank you for stepping into my life. I want to open up to that. I want to receive you, Lord. I, I want the kind of faith that allows me to experience God today and, and to live in his goodness. And Lord, I understand that's why you came. Uh, your word says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Lord, I want to open up to that. So uh, come into my world, come into my heart, uh, forgive me of anything that would distance me from God. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead, that you are present. The Lord is at hand, and I want to live in that, the awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.